Welcome to the Self-Made Babe podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Altuve, and I'm the founder of Self-Made Babe. Self-Made Babe is a community and digital platform empowering career-driven women to achieve their version of success. The Self-Made Babe podcast is the go-to podcast for women looking for entrepreneurship, career, social media, self-development, lifestyle, and wellness tips. Visit our website at selfmadebabe.com to find everything you need to become a self-made babe. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. So welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing strategies to grow your brand. And today's special guest is Serena Hughes from Market Lux. Market Lux is a digital marketing agency and educational resource for brands in the beauty, fashion, and wellness industries. So if you'd like to introduce yourself, feel free to do so. Cool, cool. Yeah, hi, I'm Serena. It's nice to meet you all. Um, Yeah, so I founded my agency basically because I wanted to make marketing resources more accessible to early stage businesses. Um, So obviously by coming on and doing stuff like this, I want to give people free information that can help them, you know, grow their brands. So yeah, this is why I'm here. And thank you for having me. Thank you for being on today's podcast episode. We're going to focus on marketing strategies. And we asked a few of you guys to ask us a few questions that you have regarding marketing. And if we would like to give a mini training on each question. So if you have any questions regarding marketing, feel free to drop them in the live chat as well. But I think the questions that we that were submitted are pretty good. Mm -hmm. And you might have the same questions. So I guess before we dive into answering those questions, what are your industry hacks as a digital marketer and as an agency owner? Ooh, I think it really depends. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot you can do with social media. There's a lot you can do with email. And that's actually why I'm really excited to get into these questions, because I think some of these will really kind of hit on those key points, like social media, like building funnels, um, using affiliate marketing. So definitely looking forward to getting into those questions. Okay, perfect. So our first question is by Emmy, and she asks, what content performs best for Instagram? However, I do feel like this question is more like Instagram based and more dependent on the type of business that each person has and runs. But in terms of what content performs best, as a general whole, I think authentic content performs the best and content that's actually funny. Um, but just because it instills an emotion for some people because it the main goal with marketing is to make sure that you're receiving an emotion so that they can take action so that the person that you're instilling an emotion in can take action to purchase your products so when it comes to authenticity authenticity is very important because no one's authentic anymore and so when you focus on being yourself, people are going to feel attracted to that. So what is your take on that question? Sure. So yeah, the I, question, I absolutely, yeah. yeah, I agree with you, Marianne. 
being authentic is really important. And I think increasing, I've talked about this before. Um, I talked about this in a recent blog, Gen Z especially really values authenticity because I think we've been inundated with so much of kind of people's like curated lifestyles for so long. And it's just like mentally really exhausting. So when we can see a brand that's being authentic, uh, we connect with it much more. So yeah, there's definitely value in that. Um, one sort of algorithmic hack that I'll give you all is platforms are very preferential to content that keeps people on their platforms for longer. So that's why carousels perform really well. That's why, um, you know, posts with long captions tend to perform really well. That's why video content performs really well. Like, you know, Instagram just introduced reels. So as much as you can produce content that keeps people watching for longer, it will start to get shown to more people. And obviously, as we know, the more people that are seeing your content, that's more opportunity to follow you, then more people will see you because more people follow you and it kind of snowballs from there. So right. yeah, keeping people watching your content for longer is definitely very valuable. I agree. I agree. And in terms of, uh, again, the content that performs best, again, with Gen Z, a lot, of, a lot of them are kind of breaking the narrative that the media has placed on all of us, that everything needs to be perfect or everything needs to be extremely curated, when right now people really just want to see who's behind the brand or why this brand started the brand. They don't want to be sold to. They want to know more of a brand's why or even like a personal brand you know if you have a brand mm -hmm. or a personal brand just they would like to know what is your why and if they feel connected and aligned with your why then they're going to follow you they're going to become a brand ambassador so that's really important now yeah, let's dive i was just gonna say it's funny that you're pointing out the why because that's actually something that i'm going to post about in the next couple of days because i think it's really essential for as a brand a lot of brands are good at explaining what they do and how they do it but not necessarily why they do it so if you can right. share that brand story that again is another element for people to connect with right right i agree now diving into the second question this is a question by molly and she asked for any advice for approaching people to do collaborations or Instagram takeovers because she gets self-conscious about her follower count when people have larger audiences than her. So what sure, is your yeah. take? So I can speak to this specifically as somebody who's naturally very introverted. Um, and, you know, we started talking, you definitely have a bigger following than I do. But I think the first thing is just knowing that you have an area of expertise. I think, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome, but it is a real thing. It's easy to look at other accounts that are bigger and say, oh my gosh, they know so much more than I do. I know nothing, you know, that's not true. You know, that's just right. your own kind of internal speak. So again, feel confident in what you're doing and also recognize that most people are more open than you realize, right? People want to collaborate. Right. It's more content. Like this right now is content for you, you know? So it's like, right. why not? Why not add more value wherever you can? Um, right. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, if, if somebody doesn't respond, so be it, right? There's, you can right. message other people, someone will respond back. And again, yeah, it kind right. of, that's another one of those things too, that I think it'll, it'll build over time, right? If you do one, you know, collab, other people will see that and be like, oh, they did that with that person. I know them. Okay, I'll work with them too. So right. yeah, it's just kind of building that over time. Okay, yeah, I agree. I think um, just establishing a, a good relationship with that person is great. I feel like, at least personally, when I have been reached out to do collabs, it's never been, or I'm not going to say never, but 
the majority of the time and in the very beginning, um, it was never authentic. It was never, um, it was never to benefit me as well. It was mostly to mm -hmm. benefit them. And when you're going to reach out to do collaborations or when you're going to do negotiations in business, you need to answer the what isn't it, what is in it for me question. Like you need to answer that for the person that you're negotiating mm -hmm. for the collaboration or the business deal, whatever you need to answer that before they, before they ask you what's in it for me. Because if you don't clearly state, if you don't clearly state that there's a benefit for the other party and it's only benefiting you, then that collaboration, that negotiation is going to fall through. And personally, I've been reached out from, obviously it's mostly smaller companies because they want to get like the reach or they, they want to um just get the just get like a, a shout out or whatever and mm -hmm. I always decline because number one it benefits them not me number two they don't establish rapport they just go in with like hey I love your account versus like keeping it professional and saying like hey Marianne I love your account. That's different than like copying and pasting because people can immediately tell. And again, when you're reach doing like cold outreach for collaborations and Instagram takeovers, you should tell them like, I've been following you for this long. I've been I'm loving your piece of content on this. I love this. Um, the reason we should collab is because I believe both of our audiences will um, benefit from blank right? These are different things that you need to develop as a professional and also in order to establish yourself as an authority figure in your industry or in your community. Because again, it, to me personally, it really puts a sour taste in my mouth when someone reaches out and there's like no research on me or the brand. There's no research mm -hmm. on on anything like they don't they have no idea what I do and another red flag for me is that they don't mention um they just say like oh I love your content or like I love what you do but mm -hmm. okay tell me what I do what do you know what, what I do love? yeah right do you love what I do like what what do you love that I do and so those are different things that you need to, to take into consideration and also when it comes to DMing someone obviously you can establish a good relationship in the DMs that that's how Serena and I from Market Lux um, met and established this collaboration but personally I think if you reach out via email if you can find them via email then you'll be able to not 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 only establish like a direct relationship behind mm -hmm. the scenes and it'll keep it professional as well and um you can be added to their file of people that they they're possibly going to work with, or you're going to be handed down to instead of being handed down to assistant, the assistant can hand you down to like the actual person, right. That you want to mm -hmm. reach out to. So any advice. So I think my main advice is to be professional and yeah. also to make sure that it's coming from a place of authenticity. If you feel like that person is just going to be, is like money dollar signs to you, then that's not mm -hmm. going to be an authentic way of reaching out to someone. Because again, if it only benefits you, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And 
lastly, advice for approaching people is reaching out to people that have the same follower count as you. If you have 15 followers, reach out to someone that has 15 followers if, or maybe even 100 because they're just starting out as well. Or if you have like 500, reach out to someone that has 500 followers. Like that just makes the barrier of entry to collaborations a lot easier. And then you can start capitalizing and cross-pollinating on each other's audiences mm -hmm. and grow faster that way. So yeah. what are your, what is your take? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's, there's, um, and I was going to get into that actually when we talk with the funnels, but cross, okay. like you said, cross pollinating. And um, if you find an account that has a, like a similar audience to what your target audience is, definitely reach out to them because again, you're just going to get better reach that way. Um, also, I see that Joelle Cho left a question. She said, these are great tips. Would you recommend follow-ups? So you can do follow-up, but at the same time, it really depends on what you mean by follow-up. Because if you are harassing them, <laughs> then that's not a great way to approach it. But if someone, if someone tells you yes, and they haven't, um, if they haven't, we, if you haven't moved forward with actually doing something, follow up. I 100% agree. Yeah, I think there's a good way to, yeah, there's a good way to do like a gentle sort of reminder of like, oh, hey, so like, you know, when did you want to do this? Um, it's right. really cool because people get busy, you know, it's, right. don't take it personally. <laughs> right, right. And also, one thing that you should immediately establish if you're reaching out to someone is make sure that you get the date immediately set a date and time and confirm it with them so that they can schedule mm -hmm. it into their calendars as well so that they can keep you in mind, whether it be, whether the collaboration takes in a day, a month, a week, you know, these are mm -hmm. different tactics that you can incorporate into your outreach strategy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, Making it concrete for sure. Yeah, definitely. So the next question is what are key marketing strategies when launching a business incorporating launch and short-term growth. Mm -hmm. So I think one, I guess, mistake that I see mm -hmm. sometimes brands make is they'll say, and of course this depends on the brand, right? If you have like a fashion brand, you're going to have more than one clothing item. Um, right. But they'll come out, they'll say like, oh, we have like 25 different items and they're all amazing and we want to promote them all at once. And I think that's not necessarily the best strategy because it can be kind of confusing for people to know, like, it's good to kind of root your brand in that one or two core products initially, you know, build mm -hmm. up the hype around those products, get great reviews, get some user generated content of like people using the product or unboxing it or whatever. And then once you have kind of a loyal audience of people that really like those one or two products, then you can kind of expand your line and say, hey, you liked these products. Okay, guess what we, you know, this is what's coming in the pipeline. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I agree because it, it can be overwhelming for the consumer. So if you start small, it gives them a chance to, okay, I have five options. It's either one A, B, C, D, E, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I'll, maybe I'll purchase the whole thing. Maybe I'll just purchase one. Maybe I'll purchase like the most expensive to support you. Maybe I'll choose the cheapest to, you know, at least support my wallet. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, those are different psychology hacks that you can incorporate within your business as well. Mm -hmm. And especially when you are first getting started, when you're launching a business, I always say to 
maximize free marketing tactics. So you can promote yourself on Facebook groups. You can mm-hmm. have your own website or having a, a, a landing page where people can get to know more of you and your business. You can, if you don't have a website, you can use the Milkshake app, which is better than Linktree in my opinion, because it actually provides an experience for people and it looks like an actual app slash website. And you can also create content on searchable platforms such as YouTube. Again, your website counts as this because of SEO and also Pinterest. Pinterest is so incredible to get your reach, to increase your reach without having Mm -hmm. to do much or invest much. And you can also use free email marketing tools such as MailChimp. I know Flowdesk, I personally use Flowdesk, but I know Flowdesk also offers a 30-day free trial and you can actually start gaining your email. You can start increasing your email list during that 30-day trial and start sending out emails that way. Mm -hmm. And then the last tip for marketing your business when you're first starting out without having to invest into actual financial ads, not financial, but just and without having to invest a ton. And that is using PR, reaching out to local magazines, reaching out to people, local influencers as well to help you build a reputation around your brand. By the way, just for so everyone knows, there are things that exist called influencer networks. And if you've ever seen a product suddenly appear on like all of these influencer feeds that you follow and you're like, oh, that's wild. Like, how did that happen? It's a very coordinated effort. So um, <laughs> that is something that that's like an option that's available to you is if you see, okay, all of these influencers have an audience that's, you know, my target audience. Um, I can give my product to all of them and then at the same time they're all talking about it so it's just giving people more opportunities to see your product before yeah during launch definitely definitely i think that's so powerful just the influence influencer marketing is so powerful especially now i see more luxury brands investing into that power because as soon as one let's say like the dior saddlebag dropped Mm -hmm. like last year or two years ago um as soon as they dropped that everyone had it because they sent it out to everyone and so that instills within the buyer or within the consumer like oh my god i need to have this bag because it's what's in style it's what everyone has right now i need to go get it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think i mean obviously in doing that you have to strike a balance because consumers are not stupid and i've seen this happen with luxury brands i know that happened with siobhan she released a bag and everyone was like that was like a coordinated thing. Louis Vuitton did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are kind of wise to it. So I think it has to be very strategic in how you do it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a way that you can approach it that gives it good visibility. Definitely. So I guess the next question that we can move on to is building funnels. Mm-hmm. So funnels is, I think funnels actually falls in the category of selling versus marketing but marketing can definitely help establish more reach and can help you get more visibility for your Mm -hmm. funnels so what is your tip yeah so okay 
Um, one of my tips is, well, I guess we kind of touched on this, but again, cross promoting via people that share a similar audience to you. So whether it's, you know, guest blogging, going on a live stream like this, showing up on their podcast, there's tons of opportunities to cross promote with people in your niche. And I also think it's good to keep in mind, like, it, it can be easy to view people as competition. But I think there's obviously strength in numbers, you know, and you are your own unique person, you're your own unique brand, you have your own unique stuff to offer. So just because you have an overlapping audience doesn't necessarily mean you're competition and you shouldn't work together. So mm -hmm. that's one tip. I think also setting up an automated email sequence can be really powerful. I think Marianne, you use, you know, email campaigns. Um, you can give a lot of free value in these things. I think you should do that, especially in the initial emails, because if people sign up to an email sequence and then they start getting a bunch of like sales emails, they're going to unsubscribe like that. Right. So right. it's important to have a balance and don't really put your salesy kind of content until one of the last emails when you really are pushing people to convert. Right. Um, Another thing you can do is you can set up what's called a tripwire. And I don't love the term tripwire because I feel like it makes it sound like you're like tricking people. Um, but basically people it's in some situations it's called a loss leader. So it's basically like a product that's sort of, you're almost losing money on it. It's lower cost than it should be, but it's just to get the people that are like really, really hot leads. They're super interested in your brand. Um, so they might sign, you know, buy this $20 ebook, and um, they're like, wow, there was so much great information in there. Well, they're probably likely then to come back and then buy your like $200, you know, e-course or whatever. Right. Um, and then the last thing is you can also upsell um, after people have purchased. So you could say, um, you know, you, you got this. And then here's another thing that you can get. Those things work synergistically and you'll get like way more value from doing these things. So, right. So that is how one should structure your funnel, just just to roughly cover it for those of you that don't know what a funnel entails. Although it's not fully a part of like the marketing strategy, marketing can help you a lot. But the very first step in building your funnel is generating reach and awareness. So what can you do? What piece of content can you give that will get more eyes on people? Can it be a freebie? Can it be a discount code? Can it be an actual YouTube video that you upload to YouTube? Or maybe on TikTok, a TikTok video, something that like gets people people's attention and gets people's eyes more. And then from that awareness stage, they're gonna be moved down to the interest stage because now they now they have come across you and your, they have come across your own touch points that you have set out for yourself. Now you can start building the no like and trust in the interest, in the interest part of the funnel. So when you are, when you are wanting to generate interest, it's basically to, to it's basically just tuning into what people are interested in like as simply as that like what what are their pain points what are their needs and if they if your product that you plan on selling them later down the line actually instills a need in them then they're if it fulfills a need for them then they're going to want to purchase and they're going to become interested and they're going to become interested in your brand they're going to become interested in your products and then 
that is what's going to help you funnel them down to the actual sales mm-hmm. stage of your funnel. And in between your funnels and in between like actually making the offer, you know, as Serena said, you can use tripwires and you can use email marketing to benefit your product and make more sales as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you have to, if you have multiple products that are for sort of different things, it's important to segment your audience. Um, if you don't do that, you can have like a whole bunch of people in one group that you're kind of selling the wrong thing to. So you can either auto segment, like people can come through in different streams through different email forms when they're first signing up. Ideally, like you can build out multiple landing pages for different things. So they're automatically right. separated. Um, but you can also survey people once they're in your email list and say like, oh, like, what are you interested in? And then segment them that way. Right. I think email marketing is definitely extremely powerful, especially when mm-hmm. you have your funnels in place. So I guess the first step is to have a a basic structure of your funnel see what you want to give to people so that they can become aware of your brand or become interested in what you will be offering them later on and just moving them down through email marketing and maybe influencer marketing or even Mm -hmm. affiliate marketing and even tripwire marketing as well Mm -hmm. so absolutely yeah so the next question is building hype for a product launch so i want to talk since you focus on fashion brands and beauty brands and wellness brands let's focus on build building hype for those types of launches Mm -hmm. yeah so um again just to reiterate i recommend people launch with like very very limited products um so again you can focus on them i think people people trust other people much more than they necessarily trust a brand. So if you can send the product to influencers, um, have them review it, get their content that they generate, put it on their page of them like reviewing whatever, that's a good way to build hype. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. (laughs) Okay, I'll jump in while you think about it. So another, yeah, another way to build hype for a product launch is to simply talk about it. Not many people talk about they just just post it on their instagram stories hoping it'll make a sale or they post it on instagram hoping that that the one the first 100 followers that they receive are are immediately 100 clients and that's not the case and so when you want to build hype for a product launch you have to continue pushing that product out but not in a salesy way because then it can become sleazy it can become inauthentic but do it from a place where you're educating people on the product, educating people on why this product can benefit them. That's what they call educational marketing, like educate them on the product, get them interested, get them aware that this product exists and putting it out there. Because I think the first step in actually building hype for your product launch is actually getting started, like actually doing the due diligence of actually showing up and Mm -hmm. talking about the product because some people just expect it oh like I'm just gonna announce it once and I all the sales all the 100 followers that I have are going to equate to 100 new clients and that's not the case so (laughs) not even close not even close no um yeah you really and I think also if there's ever an apprehension that you know, you're being too pushy and you're sharing it too much. It's important to keep in mind that these platforms have so much content on them already. 
that you're not going to be, people won't even see everything you post anyways. So yeah, don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to cross promote it. You have shared on your personal account, let your friends and family know, you know, like own it, really own it. And yeah, like you said, Marianne, focus on the value that it's going to bring other people versus just, this is a great product. There's a million great products, right? How are you different? What are you bringing to the market that's different than other people have done before? Share your story, right? Why did you, again, what's your why? Why did you start this brand? Why did you create this product? What problem are you solving? (laughs) Right. And all of that ties into your messaging, how you make it shown to other people and your just your plain marketing strategies. Mm-hmm, so the, mm-hmm. the next question is, this is from someone that owns a food service business. And she asked, what would you suggest as a marketing strategy for a food service business? Mm-hmm. So I know what I'm going to say. And I think you're probably going to say something similar to me. Um, okay, it really, it doesn't really come down to the industry. It comes down to where you're at in your business, what your goals are, and what your budget is, right? That's ultimately going to determine how you build a brand strategy. So if you see a competitor, don't necessarily think that you should just copy their strategy. It might not work for you at all because they may be in an entirely different place. And that's why, obviously, it's good to, if you can, work with people that are marketing professionals because then they can kind of help build something that's more bespoke for your brand versus like a cookie-cutter marketing strategy. Um, And I've seen that marketed a lot, and that's not necessarily the way to do it. And I think, Marianne, what you do is really cool with your groups and like you're asking people questions about their brand specifically to give them more targeted answers and I think that's that's really the approach to take right I and I guess to give a more like a, a more not detailed but a more catered response to like the mm-hmm. food the marketing strategy for a food service business personally I I before self-made babe and as a side I have a foodie Instagram account from Miami I like to eat food I only have had like 200 followers, but those 200 followers have gotten me free food at certain restaurants. (laughs) So some restaurants will actually, this is obviously a marketing strategy and this is totally up to you because it might consider, it might be considered a loss or a win depending on, you know, who you contact. But there, there was one night and it was the only night that I was invited because, again, I only have, like, 200 followers. But I was still, I was still grateful because either way, 200 followers, like, me? You're inviting me to eat for free? <laughs> but um, that same food restaurant, they reached out to 100 or maybe just a couple of other different Instagram food accounts in the area and invited them for an instagram food account night so we were able to network meet other foodies and post about their their business post about their food and they gave us like the best of the best so they gave us like drinks they gave us um it was a taco place but they gave us guacamole they gave us like a corn uh, street corn they also gave us like tacos they gave us like an assortment of like different margaritas that they have and smoothies and everything and just that alone it's gonna help generate your reach but at the same time from a marketer's perspective I think they invited the wrong 
people because again you want to have reach you want people to have um a loyal following when it comes to like instagram food accounts so mm-hmm. for me like i was honored because again i only had 200 followers but who i mean although i was able to generate reach within my account i just felt like maybe that spot could have been given to someone else or someone more influential or they could have reached out to um, or maybe they did but again from the foodie accounts that we met they were more like niched and more smaller and i know mm-hmm. there's a lot larger accounts based in miami so i think that was like one of the mistakes and things to keep in mind when if you if you're going to invite people over at like influencer foodies over to your influencer night mm-hmm. and i know and something... a lot of Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, continue. No, no, continue, continue. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, about the following. And obviously, you want to pay attention to engagement. Um, and this is also something I talked about in a recent post, but also the quality of engagement, right? Um, right. Because as we, I'm sure a lot of people watching know this. If you don't, there are engagement pods, which I don't recommend you use. But they're basically groups of people that all agree to comment on each other's posts in order to get more reach. You can get penalized for that by Instagram. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, but it also generates like fake engagement, right? So brands have to be super, super mindful of, because I mean, I'm sure that was a lot of food, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and I'm sure you had a really engaged account. But like you said, there has to be some strategy going into it. And people really have to look at like, okay, is the quality of engagement there? Are people just commenting emojis? Or are they commenting? Hey, wow, I love your content. That top is so cute. Where did you get it from? You know what I mean? Like stuff that's more like that. So that's just something to keep in mind. Definitely. And another, this is not marketing strategy, but it can help you in your business and having quality images, whether it be for food or whether it be for your own products. If you don't have quality images, no one's going to want to stick around. No one's going to trust you. No one's going to think you're a reputable brand. No one's going to just, no one's going to want to stick around, as I said earlier. But because again, the quality doesn't really, sh- the quality doesn't, isn't really shown in the images that you share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recommend this because again, I do work in yeah, beauty, fashion, and wellness. I think that's so incredibly essential um, because there's just, again, there's so many brands that have great photos, right? You don't have to mm-hmm. go to like the most expensive photographer in the city. Obviously not. There's a lot of photo studios that do it for a really reasonable price. And you can get a, like months and months worth of content out of that. And if you're mixing it in with maybe graphics and some user generated content, then it doesn't have like not every single photo has to be like beautifully curated and so professional. Um, but definitely right. having those higher quality images is like very, very important. Yeah, I feel like a lot of I mean, if you're just getting started, and you don't have the finances to invest in into a photographer or into equipment, you know, using your phone is great, just make sure that the lighting is good, make sure that you have a good aesthetic when it comes to your images so that you can establish your brand through that aesthetic. But also, I feel like a lot of people don't take into consideration how powerful photography is within a brand. A website can be extremely beautiful, but if the photography is not there, the experience is not going to translate the same as having an actual professional photography or having professional photography done. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so Ander Marketing says you can find 
cheap photographers off of Craigslist as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's free like YouTube tutorials. If you want to do like DIY photography, there's light boxes you can get for super cheap. So you can like put your little product in there and it looks all like the backdrop is there and everything. So there's definitely little hacks you can do when you're just starting out. But yeah, like Marianne said, it's super important to be mindful of the quality of images you're producing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people starting out make is just not having quality images. Mm -hmm. So the next question is asking about affiliate marketing and how valuable it is. So I guess we could talk about affiliate marketing, you know, being an affiliate and then asking people to be affiliates because those mm -hmm. are two different ways that you can generate income for your business mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, okay. I think maybe we should break down affiliate marketing for people that aren't familiar with it. Basically it's a system whereby a brand is promoted via a third party in exchange for commission on sales. Um, that 30 third party being the affiliate. And the benefit to that is you have someone outside of the company who is talking about your product, which adds validity to the product, right? People are like, well, if that person is going to work with, you know, whatever brand, that there's there must be something there right um and within that there's different sort of positions that i guess i should define so you have the merchants so those are the people that are actually producing the product then you have the affiliates which are sometimes called the publishers so those are people that are sharing the content to promote the products in exchange for the commission um and those those can be individual people so like influencers um you'll see they have like an affiliate link in their bio or whatever or they can be large companies who generate a lot of money off of this so like an example of that would be nerd wallet if you go to their our partners page they have like so many they make that's like their whole business model it's just like affiliate partnerships um but it's done in a very um like a native way so it doesn't feel obtrusive it doesn't feel salesy um so they've done a really good job with that and then you have the consumers, which are obviously the people that are buying the product. Um, and then sometimes, depending on how this you look at it, you can also have the networks. Um, the affiliate networks is like the fourth kind of cog in the wheel, so to speak. And so those can be, so there's like Shopify, Amazon, eBay, they all have affiliate programs. Um, and then there are affiliate marketing networks, which are like share a sale and flex offers. So those are actually sort of intermediaries between the merchants and the affiliates or publishers. And you can find affiliate links on like blogs and YouTube videos, um, email newsletters, Instagram influencer posts. There's lots of places for them to be. Um, and something really important to understand is the FTC, which is the federal trade commission has really cracked down on affiliate disclosures um, in January of this year, they added more specifications for influencers and bloggers to make sure that people are disclosing their links. Um, because if you're an influencer and you're not doing that, it's considered deceptive advertising. If you keep doing it and you've been warned, you can be penalized for it. So I say if you're ever wondering, you know, whether or not you should disclose a partnership, just do it. Like err on the side of caution. It's, it's definitely the better way to do it. And I think Marianne, you have a really, you've done a really good job with your affiliate partnerships on your resources page. You have like very clearly disclosed, you know, some of these I might get paid for um, and it's above the products as well, which is important. So, you know, she, Marianne Thank is a you. good example of that. 
that. Yeah. Thank you. So what, so if anyone's listening to this or well, when the people watching and the people listening to this on the podcast, when you are trying to build your brand, your, the, the people, the tools that you use to become successful in your business or to generate more income for your business can be served at, can have affiliate programs and you can use those programs to add another revenue stream for your business. And for me personally, regarding what, well, going back to what Serena was saying about my website on selfmadebabe.com, I have a resource page where it's selfmadebabe.com slash resources. And in that resource page, I share the tools that I use in my business And I also share affiliate links of the tools that I use and love because they worked for me. I use them day to day or I have used them and I've had a positive experience. And through that, through through becoming an affiliate for these different tools, businesses, and so on and so forth, I'm able to generate passive income without having to do much because either way people want to learn how they want to learn they want to know more resources so they'll click on that it's under like a resource tab on the menu they'll also click um when they click on it they'll be shown a list of all the tools that i use and they'll also be shown as serena was saying a disclosure where i say this is an affiliate link so that one i don't get penalized and two so that i can establish transparency with my followers because if people are going to see me as shady then that's not that's not how I want to be perceived so that's why I put it at the very top versus at the very bottom I don't think placement really matters but as long as you're disclosing that this is an ad or this is an affiliate link yeah yeah I mean the the FTC has some guidelines and you can actually go on, if you just look up like FTC affiliate disclosures, they've got a whole page for like different scenarios and stuff. And it's good to read up on that um, and just kind of inform yourself to make sure you're doing it the right way. Um, Right. But yeah. And in terms of instilling affiliate marketing for your own brand, you just need to make key relationships key. You need to reach out to key influencers or key people that you know is would be valuable to you or be an asset to your business so you obviously can have an affiliate program and welcome everyone but at the same time if you gen if you have a genuine relationship with that specific third party person right Mm -hmm. you'll definitely have a more authentic approach to like the promotion of your own brand through this affiliate and you'll also make sure to not cater to the masses because as I said earlier that restaurant that invited me I was only 200 followers with my foodie account but if they did more research or if they decided to build on a relationship with me to see like hey like what do you do like let me understand your followers let me see what you're all about um, Mm -hmm. then that's also helpful when you are establishing your it's also helpful when you're establishing your affiliate marketing program Mm -hmm. yeah you have to do your due diligence and make sure that the people you're working with 
are one again going to do the disclosures properly and also are going to do it in a way that again doesn't feel like obtruse and like overly pushy right because that sort of ruins the point right okay and with that if anyone has any questions those are all the questions that we have gone through but serena do you have any other industry hacks or industry tips as a digital marketing agency owner oh i want to hear people's questions please drop them down below okay. i want to i want to chat with you guys <laughs> okay i love the so questions one... we got though they were really good yeah they were they were so i'll just hop in and maybe you can think about some things along the way but mm -hmm. you did an, an excellent job today but some marketing strategies for your brand is to highlight your expertise through content marketing. Content marketing is a form of marketing that's not often perceived as marketing for other people to the consumer. So if you leverage content marketing, which is basically the publishing of content on your platforms, this is going to help you establish your authority figure as a business and as a brand. So highlight what you do, if you're a personal brand or highlight your own product, do content marketing, promote your piece of product through content marketing so that you can sit down and so that you can just sit down and digest, okay, this is what people are interested in. So this is the type of content that I need to create to facilitate this relationship that I'm going to build with someone or write this piece of content that will facilitate a actual sale and relationship. And also with content marketing, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you're using educational marketing along with content marketing, because the most common questions or the most common searches on Google are how to's or like how to do <laughs> yeah. or DIYs. So if you're creating content on how to blank, then you're going to establish yourself as an expert if you are a personal brand, or you're going to help someone make the decision to make a sale for your product. So if you sell like fishing hooks, I don't know. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an expert on fishing hooks, but I'm, I'm assuming there's like different types of types of fishing hooks. So if you yeah. <laughs> write about the different types of fishing hooks, then and you sell like one type of fishing hook, you can like write up, write about like how shitty one fishing hook is and like what one why one is better than the other, and then include buy our fishing hook into that piece of content. <laughs> yeah, very well integrated. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then another marketing strategy is to leverage groups and build a community. So and I think Soulshine actually just Soulshine by D asked about Facebook groups. So this is... Oh, perfect. Yeah. So yeah. So when it comes to leveraging groups and building a community, when it comes to Facebook groups, the main goal is to have the Facebook group carry itself. Once you have enough people in the Facebook group, the Facebook group is just going to generate content for you and it's going to build that sense of community within your brand. And I know a lot of influencers, or not a lot of influencers actually, but there's a few key influencers that actually have Facebook groups, again, on Facebook. Um, but it's a great way to house your audience, 
get them to engage with each other, get to know your brand a little bit more. And it's a great way for other people who like Facebook groups to join and come across your world that you offer. So when it comes to Facebook groups in terms of marketing, as Daniela said, soul shine by deed, um, the goal is to get as many people in so that it can carry itself. And in the beginning stages, so that you build a an engaged audience, you can do Facebook lives, you can post every day, post once a week at least, just to get your face out there in that group. Mm-hmm. And when it do you have any tips for Facebook groups? Yeah, I think it's... I am trying to find a way to say this. I've seen Facebook groups where the people running them are not necessarily um, there putting out content that, yeah, they're not present and they're not putting out content that's necessarily that value valuable. It almost feels kind of um, just kind of going through the motions. So I think the way that you would plan out content on like for Instagram, for example, right? You want to be strategic about it. You have your content pillars. Um, you have sort of a cadence that you go through. I think the same thing should be done for the content that you're posting in your Facebook group. So as much as you can plan that out in advance so that you're not like last minute scrambling, you know, being like, hey guys, what's up? You know, just to in, just to post something. I think that's going to benefit you. Right. And when you build a community and if you when you leverage Facebook groups, when you build a community, people are going to become your brand ambassadors. They're going to become the people that refer your brand to everyone else because they love their brand, your brand. So something that's like very surreal to me is that people actually talk about my brand behind the scenes to other people. Like, oh my God, did you see this post? Or like, did you see, um, are you going to buy this ebook? Or are you, did you see her pink mug or whatever? And that is mind blowing to me because I'm just, I'm just a girl with internet, with a social media platform, but you're very humble. Sense- <laughs> Thank you. No, you're just, great. just, just, you know, just the fact that I've built a community that people love to be a part of that's already free marketing and word of mouth marketing is more powerful than a Facebook ad in my opinion. Yeah. A hundred percent. Always, always. Again, people right. trust other people and their reviews much more than they'll trust the, the brand. Yes. Yes. And then the next marketing strategy is creating an opt-in for your email list. Whenever it doesn't matter what kind of brand or business you own, you should always Mm -hmm. build an email list. If you have a physical product, you can offer free shipping. If someone opts into your email list, you can offer a discount code. I know a lot of brands offer like a 10 to 15% off when you sign up. So that's a great way to get people to join. I personally have joined so many newsletters just to get that 10% first purchase, right? So creating a place where you can have direct access to your consumers is so important. And you can do that with your email list. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to treat your email list like it's a very valuable thing, right? And Mm -hmm. you want to, we kind of touched on this earlier, but don't be too salesy as much as you can kind of be value forward and then ask for something later. I've definitely opted into email lists where I'm like, initially I'm like, oh, this person's great. I got the free information, it was awesome. And then I'm getting like two emails from them a day being like, buy my this or talking about something. And I'm like, unsubscribe, you know? So you just have to be very careful about making sure that the emails you're sending are actually gonna like, do other people really want those, right? Are they really giving them value? Right. 
one of the for me as a consumer i don't like receiving emails and as soon as i see someone sending me emails every day i unsubscribe mm -hmm. <laughs> and i'm sure maybe i'm sure a lot of people have unsubscribed for themselves made babe email list because they just wanted that freebie and that's it right so that is totally fine but just having a place where you can have direct access to your consumers is key and you can start get started with mailchimp they have a free version of their email marketing platform i started with mailchimp but then once i started to grow the instagram not grow but like grow the email list i was mm -hmm. like okay i need to move over to flowdesk because it's more on brand What whatever i do with self-made babe it's always facilitating an experience through my design and through my graphics and everything so i do that through my website my pinterest pins my instagram feed so obviously I wanted to do it for my own email list. And so that's why I used Flowdesk. And I also, if anyone's listening um, in the podcast, but I do have an affiliate code for Flowdesk, which was something that we were talking about, affiliate marketing, that you can use that's called Self-Made Babe. And you can get Flowdesk for 50% off. And if you join during their beta, I believe you can secure the $19 a month for life so feel free to join use the self-made babe affiliate link the code is self-made babe and you can save 50 percent off for life now the next marketing strategy that i have is drive traffic to your content with seo what is your what is your take on seo <laughs> and for before we dive in though for those of you that are new seo is search engine optimization and to break it down simply, because when I was getting started, SEO was like, whoa, what, 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 is, what does this even mean? So let's break it down. So search engine is what you is a little bar where you can type up what you're looking for. So you can see search engines on Google. You can see search engines on the YouTube platform. And you can see search engines on Pinterest. And then optimization is just maximizing something. So when you put them together, search engine optimization is maximizing your reach through search engines. So I'm curious, what is your take on SEO? <laughs> I think SEO is very important, but I also want to say that it can be, if you're not somebody who's like really, cause you can get really in it, right? There are people that are absolutely experts at it. They live, you know, eat, sleep and breathe SEO. Um, mm -hmm. The great thing about a lot of these like email, like WordPress has that Yoast SEO, which is like a plugin and it'll help you kind of do the meta tags and, you know, make sure your keywords are in all of the right places. That's really cool. Squarespace has like a little SEO option. Um, so you can do it. But I think if you really, really want to get deep in it and you want to be like rank on the first page of Google, which a lot of people say they can do. But again, that's, you know, it's very, very hard to do that. Um, Definitely. Unless you have like a super niche keyword, um, but then you also have a smaller audience. Uh, you know, if, if that's kind of the road you want to go down, I suggest you hire outsource and get somebody who really knows because also Google periodically does updates and they want to make it kind of trickier for people to hack the system, you know, and get to the front page because they also sell ads, right? So that's important to right. know. Google AdWords, that's really where they're making money. They don't want people just to be able to kind of type a few things and boom, they're on the first page. What's the point? They're going to lose money that way, right? So um, right. that's something to keep in mind is that, you know, 
Again, ranking on the first page of Google, maybe not the best way to do it. One good way to build authority for your website though is through backlinks. This is another sort of update that Google made. Originally backlinks were just like, you get your name on you know, 100 different web, or your website linked to on, to on 100 different websites, great. It's gonna shoot your authority way up. You're gonna like, you know, bump up on Google. Now uh, they kind of weight it by authority of the page. So obviously mm -hmm. if you get, you know, your website linked on Forbes.com versus joeschmo.blogspot, <laughs> it's going to be way different, right? So right. Um, again, it just, it's a tricky process, but yeah, you can do um, backlinking. And I'm trying to think of who, there's one person that I get emails from who's really good. I'm actually going to try and find his name because he's like a pretty legit, gives so much free value. Um, and yeah, sorry, while I'm looking for that, I'll pass it back to you. Okay, perfect. So another marketing strategy is cross-pollinating your audience by collaborating with like-minded brands. So that's something that we talked about early on in this Instagram Live and this podcast episode is making sure that you are generating traffic with people that have like audiences, like that have similar audiences to you, but you don't compete. So for instance, if you are a fitness coach, maybe you can collaborate with a wellness or nutritionist so that you can cross-pollinate on the health audience because if you put them together you would be considered under like health and wellness so you know you are going to have audiences that can cross-pollinate and audiences that will be interested in each other's content so if you are strategic with who you cross-pollinate then that's going to generate more reach for your brand and it's going to establish more of an authority figure because you're referring each other and you're working together because if they already see the person, so like if they already see you as um, an authority, then they're going to see the person that you're collaborating with as an authority as well. And the same thing goes for vice versa. So mm -hmm. the other person who's the wellness coach, and if you're the fitness coach, if their audience sees them as the authority, then they're going to see you as the authority. So collaborate with like-minded brands. That is key. So who did you find, by the way? Okay. Did you find so, it? yeah. So just going back to the SEO question, um, Marianne was asking about for anyone that's just joined, you know what my feelings are on SEO. Again, I said, if you really want to get deep in it, hire an expert. It's just, it's a lot to learn. Um, but Brian Dean is like, so much free value, like doesn't bombard you with crappy emails. He's really great. And also Neil Patel's blog is obviously he's like, he, you know, he's great. So Brian Dean and Neil Patel, if you want to learn free SEO information, those they're both fantastic. Perfect. Okay. So we actually have a minute and 30 seconds left of this Instagram live and podcast episode. I can't believe we cracked down an hour, but this is so valuable and so incredible. So pitch yourself. Where can people find you, Serena? And from there, we can end this Instagram Live and the podcast episode. Totally, totally. So the easiest way for everyone who's watching or listening to find me is to go on Instagram at marketlux. It's one word, underscore. Uh, I don't know who has marketlux. I really want to get their account. <laughs> um, but that's the easiest way to find me. You can hop in my DMs if you have any marketing questions. I love talking marketing. Um, you know, no sales push there. Like, it's just a fun thing for me to do. So always happy to chat. Always happy to help small business owners. Um, I work specifically with beauty, fashion, wellness brands. But if you're in a different industry and you want information, DM me. I'm totally happy to talk. Yes, Serena is definitely an expert in 
marketing and you obviously saw that through today's Instagram live and podcast episode. So thank you all for tuning in today and I hope to see you in the next Instagram live and the next podcast episode. Thank you for being a part of the Self Made Babe podcast, Serena. Thanks, Marianne. It was lovely being on.